Hey there, welcome to our AP Legal Zone podcast brought to you by AP Lawyers. We are your top fix for all weekly law updates, including family, immigration, wills, and estates law. Just a friendly reminder we are not your lawyers, and everything contained in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and not to be construed as legal advice. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about our new episodes. Hello, I'm Angela Princeville, and with me today are family law lawyers, Shirin Abdi and Tabinda Vales. And today we'll be discussing um, parenting plans, creating a parenting plan, and some of the pitfalls and considerations for you. So um, I guess the first I want to start off with, is there any such thing as a universally perfect parenting plan? No, <laughs> I wish there was, Angela. <laughs> I don't, if, you know, I'll even take that further and say there is really no such thing as a regular parenting plan. Yes. Because I mean, I, yeah. I've had clients in the beginning stages and they're thinking, well, you know, they would ask me and I asked them, what do you, what do you want? And that's always my starting point, right? I would always ask my clients what they want, not necessarily because I think it's what's best or whatever, but at least, you know, it's it's a starting point to see what they, they would they have a, a vision or what vision they see of their families in this space post-separation. And a lot of times they'll throw that back to me and say, well, what's normal? Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's, no such thing. there's no such thing. It's a case by case. Every family is different and unique and mm-hmm. different plans for different families. Yeah, true. Yeah. So when you're thinking parenting plan, I think the first thing you want to put in mind is the best interest of the child. So everything we are talking about here has to be, it's going to be based on your family. It's going to be based on what's best, not for you necessarily, but for the child. And And I think I want to kind of clear that up. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive concepts. Like if, I mean, what's best for you might be best for the child. And, you know, something basic as well, if we ask you to pick up a child at 2 p.m., but you're at work, then obviously we have to take that into consideration, right? But the focus is generally on what's best for the child. So um, as you get started in this process, that's something you need to think of, not just, it's not, there's nothing, there's no universally best way. There's no normal, even though a lot of people have different concepts of normal. And that's an interesting one, because for some people, normal is equal shared parenting time, other people think it's every other weekend for dad. Um, so, so everyone kind of has this concept of what normal is. Well, it doesn't really exist. And so let's kind of talk about, and then you have to think about the best interests of your child. So having said that, um, let's look at schedules. So what kind of, um, I mean, Tabin, I guess you could start us off with just various, let's discuss various parenting schedules. So I'm just going to throw this out there, a two to five schedule, for example. Right. So uh, there are various schedules, 225, 223. What that means is a child is with mom two days, um, two days with dad, and then they rotate uh, the weekend generally or or the next five days. Um, There's also a parenting plan of week about, uh, week about 
I, I can't believe I'm still calling it access, but I it's know, parenting time. It's almost a year, right? <laughs> it's almost been one year since we stopped using that library. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, a week about parenting time. What uh, I personally um, like, but of course, every parenting plan, like uh, Angela, you mentioned, is unique uh, to, to, a, to each file. Um, I like two days on, like Monday and Tuesday with mom, uh, Wednesday and Thursday with dad and on Fridays they rotate it just brings a little bit more stability and consistency for the kids right you gotta again like you said uh, the test is always what's in the best interest of the child right so they know uh, for the next however many years uh, Monday and Tuesdays they're going to be with mom and Wednesdays and Thursdays dad so it just it just kind of helps them bring, you know, put them at ease. They know exactly where they are. But really, uh, does that work all the time? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> right. So it's it's up to whatever. However, the parents are able to accommodate. Um, I know some people say, uh, well, a, a week about is, is too long to go without seeing the other parents. So if, if that's the case, that's working out well for them, then we add in maybe one overnight, either on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night with the parent that they're not you know, seeing that week. So um, variety of ways that you can do a parenting plan, just depending on wh what's convenient for you, but always the best interest of the child. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So um, Shred, I'm going to throw this to you. So what do you say to clients that come with you with this sort of presumption that because they were equal caregivers during during the marriage that they must now have a 50 50 shared parenting plan i mean it depends on who's my client no i'm just joking but honestly it really like i think a lot of the time people historically like you know they would say okay well you know one party was primarily residing with the children so therefore that should continue Think of like your separation as kind of the catalyst to, okay, now things are different. What's going to work out? Just because historically you've had shared parenting or you've had a primary parenting time, it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be the case as we keep saying the best interest of the ch child or the children in this case matters. And we, we look at a presumption of different things, you know, like, is it going to be, you know, what's in the, what's in the best interest of, you know, it was it what one party was you know, primarily watching the children while the other worked. Now, if both parties are working, what kind of schedule accommodates? Does one party have shift work? There's so many different factors that play a role into, you know, what kind of schedule now makes sense. But to just say, you know what, historically, this has been the situation. So this should continue. It's not going to be this. That's not going to be the reason that you get shared parenting time. Yes, that's absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. And so how do you sort of deal with a situation where someone is saying, well, um, and we hear this very often. So, you know, where our clients are complaining that the other side uses their parenting time. I'm going to make this easier. So let's say a grandparent. So Tabinda is glitching there for some reason, but that's fine. Um, she'll <laughs> jump in in this conversation whenever um, her, her video comes back on. So it's Life, um, this is we're in, the, we're in a glitch, so we're back. All right, so <laughs> thank I you. Just, I, I just want to say uh, my video is having some problem, but my audio is working fine, so I may be able to jump in. Yeah, even though okay, my video is fantastic. Might not be okay, so we're going to power through technology, be damned. <laughs> so, in terms of, I mean, how many times, how I, I'm sure you guys hear this often where someone's saying, well, their parenting time is spent with either the grandparents, that's a common one. So they're saying, well, 
you know, he gets 50% of the time or he gets every other weekend, but he's not even spending that time with the child. Mm -hmm. And so let's, um, I don't want him to have that time anymore and yeah. vice versa as well. I don't want her to have it anymore. So Tabina, what can, how do you deal with those um, kinds of situations? Well, it's interesting you brought that up because I currently have a file like that where both parties worked full time and the grandparents, paternal grandparents live, live with the parties. So uh, my client's position was that, hey, my parents took care of the kids uh, while we both were working. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, now that they're separated, uh, believe it or not, the judge said, yeah, but you're the parents now. And the circumstances when you were together and who was taking care of the kids is, is different than what it is now. Now it's your responsibility, right? So if uh, if you are working nine to five, uh, then, and and mom is not, and there are other, other factors uh, here, but I'm just going to look at, at uh, a big picture here, but mom is not, then really the kids should be with mom because mom can look after uh, them right um but then sometimes clients are like well i'm able to work from home i've you know now in, in pre-covid world we have that flexibility and uh again the court said you may be working from home but when you're working from home you're still working nine to five yeah you can't say oh i can take care of my kids while i'm working from home because that's an eight hour work so you shouldn't be saying oh, just because I'm home, I can conveniently look after and my parents are there. It's your responsibility oh, to, yeah, to look after the kids. Jump on your point about like grandparents, like it, it really depends on the level of involvement they're having. If they're, you know, assisting, you know, with pickups and drop-offs for like an hour, an hour and a half, well, that other party, you know, like maybe the pickup at time at school is 3.30 and they don't finish work till five. Like to me, that's not enough to warrant not having parenting time, even because of that hour and a half, two mm -hmm. hours, sometimes even four hours, it really just depends on the yeah. case. Um, but really it's just, if you're using them kind of as um, assistance and support just to mm -hmm. kind of facilitate the parenting time, I don't mm -hmm. think, I don't think there's any problem with that. Absolutely, yeah. Well, good points both ways. And that leads me to something I wanted to talk about next actually, is you want to think of, your schedule and your ability to manage the parenting schedule, right? So, um, I mean, when you think of the best interest of the child, the happy parents, you know, are, raise happy children for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, I, again, remember, as I said earlier, the best interest doesn't just mean that we don't think of the parents at all. So when we're creating this, this parenting schedule, part of the consideration has to be if you can manage it, right? And then, Shireen, you were just talking about... Um, pick up and drop off. But I want to drop a bomb here. And Tabina, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, so grandparents, that seems a little bit less contentious for the most part, except, you know, there's a deep hatred there, but it is what it is. But what about girlfriend? What about where someone has a new partner in their life that now comes into the whole pick up and drop off mix? So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that can be very contentious, right? Now, yeah. not only now you're separated, uh, and you're dealing with the breakdown of your relationship and other issues and going through the family law proceeding. Oh, by the way, I have a new partner uh, in the picture. So, um, you know, generally uh, when you're on the other side, you're like, absolutely not. I don't I don't want that communication. Uh, the child is, you know, my ex's responsibility. But really, if you think about it, it's it's time to move on. 
um, and you have, if, if that person, their partner, girlfriend or partner, if they're involved in your ex's life and they're living together, um, I mean, there are ways you can limit the, the interaction, uh, or you can limit the parenting time to say, like, add the priority parenting clause, right? If, if the parent is unable to take care of the child for more than two hours or eight hours, then they, then they must contact the other parent but if it's within a two or an eight hour whatever number of hours you agree within that time range then there shouldn't be a problem uh because now in in situations where you're changing your current partner every couple of months that may be a red flag right uh, yes. but if you are able to show hey i've been in a long committed relationship for a year we're married or not married uh you know and this is my partner no criminal uh, uh, involvement, you know, no CS, no police, anything like that. There shouldn't be any any contentious issues there. But of course, I mean, uh, emotions do take the best of us. And uh, so sometimes the law doesn't make sense uh, to the clients and they say, absolutely not. And I think that's something that the parties or uh, clients should really reconsider their position because courts are inclined um, to to order parenting time. Absolutely. So Shireen, I want to, I want you to thanks for for that. I mean, I couldn't like add anything more to that. So it's well <laughs> well explained. Um, but Shireen, I want you to weigh in on sort of work schedules, right? So how that plays into crafting your parenting plan. It plays a big role in crafting your parenting plan because, of course, like if you're asking for shared amounts of parenting time and you work full time and maybe your shift work, like how are and maybe you work overnight, like how do those work? And if the bulk of your parenting is going to take place during, you know, the time the child's at school, it's not going to make sense. So a lot of the time, like work schedules play a big role. You know, a lot of the time people will use that as an excuse also not to facilitate, you know, parenting time to the other party. But again, you have to look at these with the microscope of what is in the best child, the child's best interest. If maybe, you know, dad's schedule only can accommodate, you know, primarily weekends or, you know, evening visits, then we're going to look at a schedule that encompasses more midweek visits and maybe, you know, maybe no overnights or maybe overnights only on the weekend and things where you can structure a more flexible arrangement. Of course, there are work schedules that are beyond me, like, you know, where they're just not fixed, you know, they're, they have, I have clients who have schedules that are fixed for three weeks, then they change four weeks. And it's great yeah. if you can have someone that would work with you. Um, hopefully you do. If not, like, again, like there, there needs to be some give when it comes to certain flexibility. And of course, like mm -hmm. if they're, you know, the other party is unable to watch them, but you know, their proposal is, well, I could at least put them in daycare. Like that's not sufficient. So at the end of the day, work schedules are very important and working around those parameters about what your work schedule is, if it's fixed, not fixed, all of that fun jazz. But realistically, like it, it plays a big part. No, I, I, I like what you read when you talked about the, the schedules, like the weird schedules. I had a client um, that that was a police or that is a police officer. And it's interesting because some days the hours of work, like it's starting at five and it's ended at or, or I think it was starts at seven, but they needed a couple of hours to get ready for work at the station. It was just very complex, but they were creative and they were able to both agree to um, hiring a nanny. And so even though that had a more traditional schedule that was seven to something like maybe three or whatever, but the nanny worked out great because when it was my client's parenting, parenting time, then the nanny was there for five. And at least it was the same 
constant figure in the child's life. So it just meant some weeks nanny studying a little bit earlier and then, you know, other days. And, and nanny was fine. The nanny was fine going to both homes. So some weeks she was coming to mom's at at five yeah. and other weeks she was going to dad. And it was that was fantastic because at least the child was able to have a constant figure in, in, in her life. So um it's it's you don't always get that level of cooperation. So um you know for those that are able to do that that's that's great. But um, you know, Tabina, I want you to kind of weigh in as well. An important consideration that I find is children's activities, right? How does that play into into parenting time? I think that, that it could get contentious sometimes, Ken. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, more often than not, uh, if the kids, I mean, again, it depends on each case, but say uh, you're separated, but you, your kids have been attending two or three extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. You want that to continue. You have to factor that in, right, into into the parenting plan. Either you need to agree to take the kids uh, mm -hmm. for their regular activities, and if you can, then allow the other parent to come and, and do that. Um, then there are some clients where, the kids have not been involved during the course of the relationship, but after after the breakdown, bam, they're enrolled in in music lessons and swimmings and karate and whatnot, right? <laughs> then you know, courts uh, know you're doing that on purpose uh, to frustrate the other parent's parenting time. So you have you have to be considerate again, the best interest of the child. If your child likes all the activities, great. But you got to prove it that the child enjoys it. There has to be some consistency. Maybe After, schedule it during your own time a little bit more exactly. and not exactly. during the other person's time. And right? be considerate. Ask the other parent, right? If Say, hey, I'm going to involve uh, or enroll the child into swimming classes. Do you have any objections or what days work for you? I mean, again, sometimes I think clients forget that you're going to be parents for the rest of the life. You're going to be involved in these children's life. So communication is a must. And without communicating, either decision-making or parenting time is very hard to manage, um, yeah. really, for forever, for as long as the, those kids, you know, I think yeah. you'll, you'll always your parent's child, no matter how old you are. So. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yeah, good one. You have to, so there's a lot of, as you could tell so far, there's a lot of things you have to consider into when making your parenting plan. And that's why there's really no normal, right? Because for some kids, weekends are all about one sporting activity or another. So if you just offer somebody a weekend that all they really get is maybe a few hours with the child at night and it, then it, it it's really not quality parenting time and i i find with activities that's one that's really hard and i shouldn't even limit this to just you know um organized activities sometimes just friends because i find that there's teenage kids that just want to hang out with their friends on the weekends especially when both parents don't live in the same jurisdiction exactly. and you know i i know children with you know that are living in in Pickering for example that have the other parties living in Mississauga and weekends when the friends want to get together when there's parties happening they get to miss they miss out on those because they are dads and I and I just don't moms and everyone kind of needs to be sensitive about these things yeah. you know if you can accommodate the children's um, activities because yes your priority granted but Again, for for a fifteen year old, neither parent is priority. They don't care about either one of you. They just want to be able to spend time with their friend, and it's just unfortunate that it's 
happening on the weekend where, where you have parenting time. So just be mindful of that because sometimes being right at the expense of um, losing that relationship with your child, to me, is, uh, is, it's ultimately not worth it, right? But speaking of, um, I'm going to, that segues into proximity of home. So during how does that factor into creating a parenting plan, the, the, you know, where the parents live, how, how do you factor that in? Absolutely, it plays a big role. So like if you're seeking like a shared parenting arrangement, I, mm-hmm. I'm i imagining you would live close to, to each other or else like facilitating something like that doesn't make sense. You know, driving an hour out or especially if these kids have school, they're school aged, even before that, like it's best to have some situation with consistency. So even if, you know, you don't reside together and you have a shared parenting schedule to put forward thinking to, okay, what happens when, you know, the child does actually go to school, what a parenting schedule would look like. And usually, you know, if they're at an infant stage, you do need to put your mind to that. And I know that sometimes it's so far in the future, you don't think a bit about it, but it comes really quickly. But where you live is a really important factor, because like I said, like for shared parenting, you need to be close in proximity to be able to facilitate that parenting time, to get the children to school on time, to make sure that they're not traveling back and forth for hours on end between two households. It also makes it easier. And of course, like, you know, it plays a big role. So if you don't live close um, together, then, you know, maybe you're looking at more different schedules, more creative schedules. Like I said, similar to like a work schedule being a consideration, this is also an important factor. So if, you know, one party only has sorry, is is living, you know, two hours away, then maybe long weekends and maybe structuring a long weekend every month or, you know, some sort of schedule, Mm -hmm. maybe get a little more creative. We're very creative solution oriented people because we understand like there's no one rigid, one size fits all in creating a schedule for um, families because it's not the same. And that's kind of been consistent with what we've been telling you guys. And we hope that like you guys can understand that like, there is no like one size fits all. And I'm the reality- glad you're saying this. Is there one kilometer that fits all? Because sometimes people no. would say, well, we're 20 minutes away. So that, well, the first thing that comes is like time. It's just 20 minutes. Well, there, there's no like objective way to look at it. I think a 20 minute commute is a lot. If you're mm-hmm. you, if you live in, in, you know, Pickering and you're working in Brampton, I'm sure you're like 20 minutes, like that's nothing. But to be 20 minutes, it's a lot of commute. But again, and and I've I've had that same experience with judges as well. There's times where I've I've, I've argued that you know it's been an hour, it's an hour difference, and they're like no. Or if it's twenty minutes within Toronto versus twenty minutes, you know, on the back roads of the country, again, it's viewed differently. Then sometimes I take an approach of looking at the kilometers, and then you're like, okay, well. You know, we all know, depending on the time of day, a five kilometer drive could look very different, right? Like try driving five kilometers during rush hour. So you would in Toronto, you would get nowhere. But again, so these are sort of the I kind of like how you, you said that, because those are the things we would look at. So even though you say, well, it's just. 20 kilometers away well in what direction is it in the city is it away is it how old is this is this child right and again what judge if you if you have the unfortunate scenario of putting this in front of a judge if you get a judge like me that thinks 20 minutes is a lot of uh, is, is a huge commute then you got a problem but then you can meet a judge that thinks no it's really not a big deal like driving one hour one way or the other like it's no big deal the kids would nap in the car like really not that big a deal. So 
again, it really, there's no one, there's no kilometer fixed in the law that says if it's this, this is the way it works. It's just what does your family dynamic look like and what are the facts in your in your case, right? Exactly. So on residences, let's speaking of residences, of course we have to touch relocation. Oh boy. An exciting <laughs> one. Honestly, we need to we're going to have to do an entire talk on relocation. We have to, because it's a, uh, it's a big one. It's an interesting one and it's uncertain. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, yeah. I mean, if, if we can't even agree objectively on what a huge distance is in within the city, then you can imagine when people now want to switch provinces and countries, how many factors kind of come into play here. Right. But I don't know if anyone wants to weigh in on the relocation issue. I mean, I relocation. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, please go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm very passionate these days about relocation. I've done uh, quite a few, um, but really with, with one of my current clients, relocation is an issue. One thing I do want to say, please, please provide a notice, follow the legislation, follow the rules. Don't move. Don't take the kids and then ask for forgiveness later. Uh, it's not going to work. The law is 100% clear. You got to provide notice or obtain a court order before you move, right? If you don't, uh, then guess what? You move and Two weeks later, if your ex is now filing for an emergency um, uh, parenting time or return of the children, they are most likely going to get it because there are laws uh, in place for a reason and you have to follow them. No matter how how urgent uh, you think your reason might be. Yeah. I just want to preface that by saying absent like your existing agreement, if you don't have an existing agreement that allows you to relocate and spells out what relocation looks like, yes, you'll need a court order or the consent of the other party. I just want to clear that up. Yeah. Yes. No, true. Thank true, you. So that's true. Um, I think I would add to that an exception. And please, this is a very narrow exception. And this is when we're dealing with family violence. And I don't want this to be misinterpreted as the, the existence of family violence doesn't take you away from the rules. Doesn't mean the rules don't apply to you. But let's say in an extreme situation, you have this makeup facts here. So you have, you know, let, let's say, and I'm going to go female because a lot of domestic violence is, is, is predominantly against, um, against women. Um, so I will just say you have a woman that's been, um, abused and her has no family in Ontario and maybe has parents living in Quebec. And after a domestic incident or just maybe one day finds her voice and her strength, decides to take off with the children and head to Quebec. Now, in those circumstances, it's possible for you to um, it, it's possible for you to get forgiveness. It's not ideal, but that's the one very narrow um, situation where the courts might allow you because you don't have any support within the GTA. You are a victim of, of family violence and it must be reasonable. It must be reasonable under the circumstances that you've moved, that, you know, the move. So um, I just want to put that out there that there is times where we know you have to do what you have to do. We will be there to support you. Ideally, as soon as you move, you want to, you know, go to the courts yourself and quickly ask for that order right away, right? So don't just take the laws into your hands and and um, 
just move and never ever contact the person ever again. There's ways we can help you. We can hide your address if that's you know something that you're concerned about. But please find a way to get back to the courts right away and and follow the yeah. rules. And for okay. clarity, like relocation doesn't need to be like province to province. It like it's just honestly anything that would impact the other parties parenting time in a significant way. And that could honestly look like moving from Pickering to Mississauga. I know, so, thinking like, Toronto to Barrie. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be small. No, I would disagree with you with Pickering to Mississauga. To I, would argue, I would argue that Pickering to Mississauga is just a change in residence and doesn't engage. Okay, actually I should be careful because if there's equal parenting time and I move that child to Mississauga and then now I have to change schools in, to Mississauga yeah. Yeah. or the child now has to commute to school, then that's major, right? But if mm -hmm. if you're if it's just say every other weekend, then I'll just argue like it's really not that big a deal like to do this yeah, one. Yeah, it's not really impacting the other person's parenting time. And there's mechanisms yeah. like, will you meet at a midpoint? Will you will you guys facilitate pickups and drop offs in a different way to accommodate that change? There's lots of ways to work around it. That's, that's a huge. I like that. You, I'm happy you said pick up or drop off because that's another one that people often spend so much time arguing over. It's unbelievable. And I understand you're entering into an agreement that would last a very long time. So you want to make sure what you're commute, committing to, but there's, it's also one of those things where there's no right or wrong answer though. Who does the pickup and drop offs? What do I generally prefer? I prefer the person exercising parenting time to do it. Everything mm -hmm. else, you know, being equal, right? But yeah. sometimes it's also not reasonable to expect Or you that. can even... Sorry. Or you can even share the pick up and drop off, right? Like uh, you can choose to pick up your kids and the, the other party, uh, you know, the uh, the other party can come and pick them up at the end of the parenting time. Again, um, the more you try to communicate with each other with respect to uh, putting your child's best interest, the easier it's going to be because Otherwise, you can be in the family law uh, system and the justice system for a very long time if you mm -hmm. keep picking issues that, you know, you can otherwise really work on. I agree. Result. And people have strong like views on some of these things, right? Shireen, sorry to cut you off. The people have very strong mm -hmm. views. I personally have a strong view about a client um, having to drive to Toronto to drop off the kids. And, and a judge's opinion in that case was, well, your client's not working, so she should be able to drive to downtown Toronto. And I I mean, my thoughts were, if she's going to be doing that, she might as well just get a job in Toronto and just drive down to Toronto every, every and this was like midweek, we're talking midweek um, parenting time and things like that. So um, yeah, you, you just have to be creative. But Shireen, you were going to add something earlier. Well, I was just saying like, if there is a situation where communication is not something that's viable for the two of you, and I mean, because of a situation of domestic violence and just there's truly a contentious issues between the two of you, then like, you know, pickups and drop-offs at school, meeting at a midpoint. Like, I mean, I never recommend the police station. I think that's kind of traumatic sometimes. Yeah, um, and I think actually a recent, I read somewhere recently where a judge just did not enjoy where people do pickups and drop-offs for children at a police station just because of the sheer, I guess, not even uncertainty, but the the drama of all of it. Like maybe at a Tim Hortons, at a McDonald's, that's something that's more mutual. So 
you know, I would always say like, if you guys don't get along, you don't want to have communication, you want to limit the kind of time that you're seeing each other, pickups and drop-offs directly at school, if that's something that's within your parameter, is a good option. Yeah. And if you, if you really can manage, if you can manage it like a home, honestly, it just, because um, yeah. all of these random locations really just sends the wrong message to the child. But as Shirin said, like, you know, depends on your, on your circumstances and if it might not be um, appropriate. So what, what are your, I mean, so in terms of holiday parenting type, Davina, do you have any preference? How do you structure <laughs> those? So uh, again, extended uh, either long, weekends or holiday, ideally, uh, depending on your facts, again, uh, of the case, uh, shared parenting time, right? You can either do uh, even numbers, uh, in even numbers, uh, numbered years, you can have uh, on an alternating be uh, basis, like extended long holidays or... or, or so you're not um, suggesting I take all the long weekends in 2023, and then my partner takes all the long weekends in 2024? <laughs> You you can if you want, but really, I mean, ideally, it's it's good to rotate. <laughs> yeah. It's good to rotate, right? Because that just, um, I mean, why not? It's nice. But if, hey, if that works out for the parties where they just want one year, they want to celebrate the Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter and everything, well, that's, that's great. But uh, ideally, I've seen it alternating throughout the year between yeah. the parties, yes. Mm -hmm. Should yeah, and any religious yeah. holidays, like you guys want to spell that out as well. Sometimes there's religious holidays that are more important for one party and then maybe more important for the other party to have a different, you know, holiday that they really want to address or a religious right. observation there. So like doing that switch off would be would make sense. Um, let's say, you know, you have family traditions that maybe every you know, Thanksgiving Sunday, you have, you know, a family dinner and maybe the other party says, okay, Thanksgiving Monday is actually when my family gets together. And, you know, just making, being mindful, I think the presumption is, for me, is it should be shared unless there's reasons as to why the regular schedule is not fitting. And then I obviously would not start off with shared, but typically like a lot of the time people can't get their head around like religious holidays that, you know, we would get time off of. And they would say, well, they know he's not even Christian. He doesn't even celebrate Christmas. Why should he have parenting time? That's not a good excuse. Like yeah. it's not going to happen. So if they want the parenting time, unless they agree, of course, like they're going to get the shared holiday unless there's a circumstance why it's not appropriate. Yeah. Shireen, I'm glad that you, you raised that. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Shireen, I'm glad that you raised that point where uh, people who don't uh, celebrate Christmas and then come Christmas time and Christmas parenting time, they're like, hey, no, uh, we're, you know, we we're from different faith. And so there should really be no Christmas, no extra holiday parenting time. Courts won't like it. I can tell yeah, you right yeah. now, courts won't Some like it. Some of these it, holidays so. are gone, have, have taken a significance yeah. beyond the religious aspects of mm -hmm. it, right? It's just, yeah, it's just like time off work, work and time off school. Available. It's like a nice yeah. time of it's just well, more time to spend, right? But I think people yeah. should put their mind to some other like religious holidays. So I'm thinking there's a lot of Jewish holidays um, that are not necessarily public holidays. There's there's, uh, there's Eid, for example, yeah. that's like practiced by Muslims and it's not often not a, a holiday. So you want to be 
<laughs> you want to be mindful of those and and maybe factor it into into creating your your plan, right? So if you have one person that's Muslim and the other Christian, well, it's okay to agree that you know one person gets the Easter weekend and then if it's Eid, you know, you allow the the child go there. I I think it's um I know and some I I think there's value in exposing the children to to you know the different religions and and there's different schools of thoughts here and I and I respect that but I while they're still minors I assume the parents were aware that they're they don't have the same religions and they chose to get married and have these children so you know it's kind of late to insist that your way is the right way the children should be exposed to both and and they can choose later in life and knowing kids they probably will choose none of the above anyway so (laughs) (laughs) okay and the last thing i wanted to touch on and this is another big one um so we'll just touch on it at a very high level is um supervised parenting time so if i (laughs) if i may on supervised parenting time i mean um one thing I do caution all my clients is that supervised parenting time is never a long-term goal, or at least so far in my experience, I have not seen uh, a final order for supervised parenting time. You uh, you crawl, you walk, you run. So if a parent hasn't had parenting time, say in five years, six years, and now you're back in court and you want parenting time, it's going to start off with supervised and eventually go up. But you parents uh, or clients need to understand that eventually it is going to go if everything goes well um, you know then it may go to unsupervised parenting time it's a very artificial environment for the child again best interest of the child right never in an artificial environment Uh, they need one-on-one with the parent to get more comfortable uh, initially understood but once they've developed that bond then you got to move uh, parenting time into the community and then eventually, you know, unsupervised. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah well I mean, said. It may be appropriate for like different reasons why supervised visits are available, not just, you know, I haven't seen this child for X amount of years. It makes sense to get them a little more adjusted. Um, there's also situations of, you know, a, you know, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, and, you know, just, the other party giving off concerning behaviors or maybe doesn't have the the capacity or the ability to parent the child. And that needs to be in a structured environment. Of course, yes, I agree that it should be a temporary measure depending on the circumstances. Um, But sometimes it's appropriate to have supervised visits. Um, It's not appropriate to just say, well, I don't think he can watch him because, you know, I just don't agree. He's a first time dad and, you know, it's an infant child. Like that's not sufficient enough. You're Mm -hmm. both first time parents in that regard. I've even had like situations where my client has also had a previous child from a relationship and they wanted him to have supervised visits, but there was no merit to the visit being supervised. He was an experienced parent. There was never circumstances which warrant that the child is you know, in need of supervised visits. Of course, there was no risk of harm. There was no issues. So it has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. If you have issues with, you know, and concerns about, you know, the other party, you know, engaging in substance abuse and, you know, maybe even the environment that they're in, maybe they're in a um, an apartment with like four other people that 
are, you know, not doing the greatest things in there, but like it's maybe a party house. So it makes sense to have those visits maybe curated somewhere else. Even if it's someone you trust by a third party, doesn't necessarily always need to be in a supervised access center, which is sometimes most often recommended, Yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I agree with you. And someone had mentioned something earlier that kind of stuck in my head with um, just, I think Tabina, that was you when you were talking about supervised parenting time and kind of graduating up. And that's something that I really want to mention here because a lot of times um, when people come to us, they're in different stages of the, of the <laughs> process. Um, not only are you in the, the different stages of your separation process, there's also the children's um, different stages, right? And Shireen, you were talked about this earlier as well. So what if an appropriate parenting plan for a two-year-old would not necessarily be the same for a 12-year-old. So those are things that you have to take into consideration. Um, you know, what things might look like right after separation compared to when, say, the family home has been sold and you're both now settled in your separate residences, that would also, that's a different stage, right? So sometimes I would have, um, you know, people agree to parenting time, for example, when one party is still living with the parents, maybe they moved out of the home and then now, you know, maybe their grandparents are no longer there and now this issue being taken and things like that. So obviously, um, these considerations, we have to think about where you are in the separation process, what stage of development your, your kids are, and all of these ultimately is to look out for the best interests of your child, right? So um, I don't know if anybody has anything else to add before we wrap up. Nothing from my side, Angela. Thank you. Okay, sure. I see you shaking your head. So there's nothing there. So guys, uh, I hope we've given you some things to think about. We wanted to keep this um, very high level and just guide you to, to think creatively as you create your own parenting plans or even or coming to us with your plan. It's, you know, we hope we've given you some food for thought so that we can have, you know, more productive conversations when discussing your parenting plan. Um, we want you to see some of the pitfalls and, and take these factors into consideration. So just remember, uh, you know, you have to think about what's in your child's best interest. There is no one normal for all families. Um, just think about what you're doing here. Don't look at your neighbors, your brother, your friend. None of that matters. What matters is your family, the circumstances of your case. Um, you know, think about when I'm agreeing to this parenting time, can I commit to the picking up and dropping up, uh, off? Spell it out if possible so that each party understands what's expected of them. Look at your work schedule before you just agree to plans because it also is not in the child's best interest if you continue to disappoint because you can't, you have work commitments and you're not able to exercise parenting time that you fought so hard for. And now, you know, because of work, you can't exercise. Think about your children's activities. Do they actually love them? Are there ways that you can maybe allow some time out of your parenting time just to allow that child the joy of being able to engage in activities that they love. Think about where you're going to be living and make that a factor in doing your parenting plans because the number of times we've had people kind of fight for parenting schedules, and I know it's happened to all of us, is we we insist on this parenting schedule and we finally convinced you know, the judge, the mediator, arbitrator that this is the best schedule. And then the next thing, the person is not even living the, the living arrangements change right away, you know? So think about your plans. Think about, you know, if you're going to be relocating, make sure you give those notice requirements and yeah, 
factor in holidays, be creative, ultimately be creative and focus on the best interests of your child. And we wish you the best of luck. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time. Um, bye, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening and joining us in the AP Legal Zone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more episodes by searching AP Legal Zone on anywhere you watch podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast today so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about any new episodes. Thank you.